Action Faction, welcome back. This is Ideas Into Action, and you are listening to episode number 33, featuring a friend that I have been dreaming of having on the podcast since we launched many, many years ago. Today, you will listen to a conversation with Joshna Maharaj, a chef, two-time TEDx speaker, and activist. She believes strongly in the power of chefs and social gastronomy to bring hospitality, sustainability, and social justice to the table. Joshna is a regular guest on CBC Radio, a passionate public speaker, and co-hosts Hot Plate, a food and drink podcast. She was the recipient of Restaurants Canada's Culinary Excellence Award in 2018. Her recent book, Take Back the Tray, is about her work building new models for institutional food procurement, production, and service. This book is a movement to reconnect food with health, wellness, education, and rehabilitation in public institutions around the globe. It is a passionate story about how a chef tried to disrupt the institution in hopes for systemic change. In this conversation, we talked about food insecurity, the power of values and purpose, system change, everyday activism, staying motivated through adversity, paying invisible taxes, and unlearning hustle culture. And that is just the tip of the iceberg, my friends. Let's get right to it. Episode number 33 with Joshna Maharaj. Okay, my friend, just as I was saying, um, I was absolutely riveted. I somehow managed to speed read the entire book. I don't from, know you did that. Oof. Oh, my goodness. I, uh, it's, it's a skill that I've acquired. Um, right. And it, when we talk about retention, that might be a different story. Yeah, but for real, for real. But for the moment, I, yeah. For the moment. And, and I, took, I took a lot of notes over here. And I'm actually, if, if you'd be interested, I would love to share with you all oh of God, the excerpts I that I highlighted, the I things that jumped out at me. You're in it, right? You're in it. Let's not forget. You, must have, you came across your name a couple of times in there. I'm Absolutely. I, yeah. You know what? That, that made my heart smile when I made good, it to the, the section. And it was such a nice blast from the past to see myself there with Kareem, with Janet. We loved in with, with, with Jonathan oh. and Bailey. I know, I know. It was cute It to was so nice. That. Yeah. But as I was just saying before we hit record, um, you know, I've known you for a couple of years, and uh, I've I've seen your expression of thought leadership in different domains. I've seen you as a fellow TEDx speaker. I have right. seen you as a leader within Ryerson University, now Toronto Metropolitan. Uh, you know, I've heard and watched your interviews, but my goodness, your strength as a communicator is uh, most most. Uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? I feel a little bit insecure as a fellow author. I feel the pressure to conjure up a really good word, but you are at your best when you're writing. Thank you. Holy smokes. That's where the magic is for me, right? That's the thing. I love words. I think that words and language are one of the most incredible tools we have as humans, right? It is amazing. And I've been really, I've been really conscious about the words that I use. Listen, I don't usually drop quotes from people like Deepak Chopra. That's usually not my vibe. But I remember him being interviewed once and someone asked him what his what an indulgence is for him. Ooh. Right? Which is an interesting question for a dude like him, right? Uh, and his answer was exaggeration. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, Deepak. Uh, yeah. And that has sat with me because I, like in a previous version and in many parts of this life, I love to just shoot my mouth off, right? I love to be dramatic. I love to use, right? And when I took a moment to consider that, I realized how far from my actual reality that was. Mm. You know what I mean? And that what am I losing in in connecting myself to the truth for the sake of being dramatic or dropping a punchline or, you know what I mean? Something like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So I was like, let's let's figure out how we get these two things a bit closer together. 
and you know, the way and if we're in which drop you... a punchline, make it be a real. You know what I mean? Make it worth oh. it. Make it a proper observation that gets people thinking and laughing at the same time. And and take back the tray was uh, filled to the brim with punchlines, but all of them were so well earned and so cathartic because oh, they were preceded by these so very rich. Awesome to hear. Thank you. Oh, by the end, I mean, I was I had my seatbelt on. We were landing in New York, but yeah. when I made it to the end, where you were repeating, you know, let's take back this, take yeah, back yeah. that. <laughs> I wanted to get up, and I'm like, like, hey, I'm man. Ready. As as a brown bearded man standing up when uh, in, in an no, airplane, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was too soon. I I didn't want to risk it. Uh, my friend, we 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 went right into it, and uh, I, I apologize to the action faction, the community of listeners oh, yes. uh, of the Ideas into Action podcast. Uh, we didn't do a proper introduction. They okay. heard your uh, bio at the start of this, but uh, I would love to. Uh, uh, introduce you to this audience over here, or okay. I, rather, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience. And okay. I have a couple of questions to set this up. This is a standard question that we ask all of our guests, and I wonder how you're going to respond to this, especially since I'm familiar with you. I, I know your story. I, mm. I've interacted with it in different ways, but I'm curious to know if we were to start all the way at the end. Just imagine it's your lifetime achievement awards ceremony. Yes. How would you like to be introduced at the celebration of your life or career? What would you like people to say about you? Woo! What a when it's all said question. and done. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, it's thinking about this answer actually has me sort of reflect on my own life because the truth is, when I remember when I was a younger chef and I didn't know what kind of chef I was going to be, I saw Jamie Oliver be described as a chef slash activist, mm. right? And I was like, "Ooh, that's possible! Oh, great!" That's what I'm, I was chasing that, right? And truthfully, that showed up way faster than I thought it was gonna. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's no problem now. That's easily who I am, right? No problem. And in fact, I'm adding author, uh, speaker, and educator to that list, right? So that is like, in some, in some ways, I feel like, I've, I feel like it's already all happened, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? All the titles that I was hoping for are here. So what that teaches me a little bit is that maybe the dream wasn't big enough. Right. If, I, if I've already hit it, what who else do I want to be in this? You know what I mean? Who I want to be right. known for. So when I think about that, I hope that they say I'm somebody who showed up, you know, visionary feels like a little bit too much. But like somebody no, it's who really pushed you are. big ideas. You know what I mean? Somebody who was just like, you know, she was always going on about this. You know what I mean? And, and maybe by the end of my life, when there's way more salt in this pepper, uh, <laughs> right, I will... Uh, I, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll be able to stand in the wisdom of that a little bit more. I feel a bit, I feel a bit young uh, for that just yet. There's still a lot, you know what I mean, for me to do here with this work. But I think hopefully like agitator, maybe a disruptor yeah, of the sentiment yeah. is nice, but the word just makes me want to spit. You know what I mean? It makes like, sense. It, it all makes it, sense to me. You... The disruption. I love disruption because you know me well enough to know that I'm all mm -hmm. fist in the air, fix sure. a broken thing. You know what I mean? Don't it's just the cover of the book. Right? Yeah. Don't sit through a status quo just because it's comfortable, like all of that. But I, I fear the notion of the word disruption in the Uber, uh, you know what I mean? The Uber line of it all has become a bit distorted into a sort of excuse for, for people to do shitty things, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and to behave badly. And so that's why I sort of hesitate because I really, I'd like to think that there's more virtue connected to what I'm doing. Uh, right. But, but that's a separate conversation. But I hope I'm somebody who like, look, uh, I think I read somewhere once that like a mark of doing something great 
is that everything like you change everything that came you change everything that came after you know what i mean a wow. moment where something great happens and then the way we understand who chefs are how to be you know what i mean how chefs connect to their communities i would love it if what my stamp could be would be to to have be the person for whom people were like oh oh this could happen a different way oh this face this name this history this what we you know the things that come out of my mouth because it would be one thing if I just decided to go work in a restaurant and that's it. But I didn't. Mm-hmm. I want to do this other crazy thing. So there's a long way for me to answer the hopes for the rest of my life. My friend, I feel like uh, you know if the story were to unfortunately end abruptly right mm-hmm. now, I think that everything you just described about your accomplishments and what you hope to do in the world would be true. I think your eulogy would reflect all of that. And I think that's a, you know, a testament to, to your authenticity. I think you have lived a life and you have fashioned a career in which you are already doing the thing every single day that you hope to continue doing for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have been very influential in my career alone. And as I was just saying mm-hmm. before, before we started recording, I wish I read the book when it came out. I know that you're holding on to my copy over here. There were some logistical I issues. Totally, totally, yes. Um, but, but your book, it uh, it invigorated me. It it validated what I hope to do with my life, which is to to, to blend um, sort of my role as as a burgeoning activist, finding my voice, but also having the follow through. You're an activist, mm. but you also have the ability yeah. to follow through with the action. Uh, and and I got to read that and experience that through your stories about working at the stop. Uh, working at multiple hospitals, working at multiple institutions. It's clear that you're able to put your fist in the air and say, this is what we need to do. And then you can design a system, processes, and lead teams to actually execute. Whether or not there's institutional support long after the fact, that's a different story. Totally. I'm I'm, I'm curious to know, know, for, for, for the listeners, what would you share would be as as the major milestones that that led you to this junction in your career right now? Uh, what were what were the big sort of uh, events or experiences that brought you to this episode of the podcast? Ooh, that is amazing. Uh, I love that question. I think my first instinct is uh, teachers. Teachers. I really, I have just recently connected with two favorite high school teachers who also happen to be married to each other. Uh, right, one was my music teacher, and the other was a religion and history teacher. What a blend! <laughs> right, solid. And I was like a full, full bloom band geek. Uh, and this this other teacher uh, really introduced me to uh, religion. I mean, I did. I ended up doing a whole undergrad in religious studies as a result, to be honest. Uh, but they also like they just they were the ones early on who were like, Josh, no, you're, you're going to be a teacher. You're a great teacher. You already yep. do it. And I was like, no, thank you. I am going to be a <laughs> chef. Uh, I want nothing to do with any of this, right? And so, I mean, 100%, they were completely right. And they knew, <laughs> they saw exactly, right? Because right now, I literally have just jumped into teaching and doing a master's so that I could end up doing more formal, you know what I mean? More yep, permanent yep. teaching. And it is like my happy, happy, happy place. You're in the and home so zone. Yeah. I reconnected with them. Mostly, it's super nice to reconnect. 20 years had passed since I'd seen them. But I also really wanted to be like, you were right. You, yeah. I, I did not know, but you were totally right. <laughs> when you're right, right. you're right. Yeah. You were totally right. I had no idea how right. Because the truth is, all the cooking on video, all of that, you know, even speaking, it's all teaching. 
Mm. Right? You know this, mm -hmm. right? It's mm -hmm. all about how you break down ideas and how you communicate them to people and how you hope it all lands with them, right? And how yeah. it how it reconciles with what they've already got going. You know, that's sure. It's all teaching, right? It's all Yeah, it's interesting. Just before this episode, I was chatting with uh my my my, my publicist. Wow, I feel like Feel so there weird saying is. that I've, I've got a publicist now, now man. this is this is who we are we out we out here right and she was saying that you need to find a way to distill these broad ideas into sound bites and i yeah. was i was pushing back on the idea i'm like no man it doesn't feel fair like especially after reading your book last night i was like no man i need to talk about the system level change i can't just reduce my ideas down to solutions Ooh. for the individual but then i thought to myself Oh yeah, you're right. There's something about teaching. It, the onus is on me as the teacher oh, yeah. to distill these ideas down in a way that can be received. And yes. I can't be arrogant about my ideas. I think that the best demonstration of knowledge is the ability to synthesize it and present it to people in a way yes. that's easy to understand. Yes. And holy smokes, I mean, you did that. You did that so effectively in this book. And I was really glad to see, especially towards the end, you brought back an anecdote that changed my life when I heard it actually in your house Ooh. over, I think it was a fried chicken dinner that we had. Oh, we totally did some fried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. that was epic. We, we've had some, we've had some fun Yo, food adventures. Fried jerk chicken? Wasn't fried that that jerk was? chicken. Right, because I marinated the chicken in jerk Oof. first and then we, oh Lord. Absolutely. I remember seeing, I remember seeing the jerk seasoning in your very yeah. meticulously labeled container where That's you right. have the it best handwriting in the world. Right. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to getting Joshna Serif Sands or Sans Serif. Hey man, it's all the things to do. <laughs> I have an illustrator friend who was like, let's make you a font. Let's just do it. Yes. It is yes. incredible. L listen, trust me, uh, action faction, you're going to want this font. It is, it is the perfect blend of, you know, it's got, it's got swagger to it. It's, it's, Thank uh, you. It, it's, it's, uh, Stylish enough. It flows. It's stylish. <laughs> Absolutely. And and as, as somebody who writes in all caps, it, it just the kerning is so perfect. It's just hey. so aesthetically appealing. But I was saying the anecdote that you shared with us yeah. uh, that night was about your experiences uh, as a teenager in an ashram, right. where you right. wrote or you, you you talked about and then you wrote about this and take back the tray about how uh, the chef their mood influenced the quality of the food and how that was received. For sure. I, I love this uh, anecdote for so many reasons, but if you wouldn't mind giving an abridged version Ooh, to the Action sure. Faction, yeah. I got a couple of questions related to that. Amazing. Okay, so the idea is I was working in this very humble Indian kitchen, like barefoot, crouched, cross-legged on the floor, chopping in my lap kind of scenario, right? Making simple dal and rice and one little vegetable curry, no big anything. Um but we, I would notice when the lead cook was in a bad mood, he would be banging pots of pee, you know what I mean? And be a, bit, a little bit crusty. And that made all the rest of us in the kitchen a little bit crusty. But mm -hmm. what was a sort of amazing was when we took those pots of food out to, the, to serve, literally it was two pots of food, right? Or three pots of food, a curry, a dal, and the rice. And we were serving it to monks and nuns, Hindu versions of monks and nuns. It's important to know this because they're somewhat responsible for their emotional state. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? If they're considering mm -hmm. meditation and you know what I mean? All this kind of stuff. And I would watch that like cranky mood spread across the dining hall, right? Yeah. That irritation and the same spirit that we were cooking the food with was it just, I realized that we had just served it all to everybody and the dal and the rice were the vehicle for all of that. Right. Because like a couple of weeks later, the flip side, Happened in the and the cook just to like had a little visit with his girlfriend, <laughs> right? And he could see a little, you know, a little cheeks in the eyes, twinkle in his eye, and sparkly <laughs> and stuff, right? And so we're singing and joking around in the kitchen, and it's you know what I mean. It's all very joyful, and so those pots go up and get served to people, and you watch 
how that changed everybody's mood. Even people who walked in crusty ate right. this food and left with a smile and, and said, you know, stop to say thank you or tell us a little joke on the way out the door. And I was like, look at this. This yeah. is incredible. And yeah. the, the truth that hit me as I was ladling out that russum, I remember this so clearly, <laughs> was that the job of a cook has incredible like exponential potential, like impact, right? Especially because I come from the big pots of curry right. world of things, right? There's no, there's no crowd we can't deal with with giant pots of curry in the, on, the on the Indian subcontinent. But it's also, it's super, super important. Yeah. Right. My state of mind is super, super important. And then when I started thinking, I started talking to people, other people would be like, yes, of course. That's why the cook in any given scenario is generally the highest paid. Yeah. And they have the like and on like cruise ships or mining digs, you know what I mean? These sort of sure. extreme scenarios. The cook always has the best accommodations and mm -hmm. the highest salary because everybody knows that if the cook is not OK, Nobody's okay. Nobody's okay. Right. And and that that has been such a powerful uh, anecdote for me. It almost operates at the level of fable for me for many reasons because I think it 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 showcases the relationship between strong values mm -hmm. and the end result. And there was a couple of passages that I highlighted right. from your book. Two jumped out of me. Yeah. Jumped out to me uh, in relation to this anecdote. The first one is you wrote, "I'm a firm believer that any plate of food." served anywhere is a reflection of the attitude and values yes. that produce that plate. And it's actually changed the way I look at not just plates of food, but anything as a reflection of yes, the intention I'm behind so glad. it. Yes, yes, yes. I even think about that with my work. I mean, I did a keynote yesterday and I, I would give myself a six out of 10. And uh, I think about the user experience. What was my intention going into that? If I had to do that all over again, I would need to really think about why I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. What are the values going into that? What is my purpose? And really factor in all of the energy summoned for that moment. And some people listening to this right now are thinking, yeah, but you know, what Josh is speaking about, that anecdote, it seems like it's verging on the realm of spirituality. And mm -hmm. sure, that's valid. It is for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I also think there's possibly some very strong science that could back up the gastronomical um, transition that happened from mood and then maybe just oh the way God, in which the sure. food was prepared, Digestion, the portioning, yes. digestion, Easily. the simmering time. I mean, what? the patients, I'm sure there's like a real science to what happened in that moment. And I think the and evidence of that- whether it even that, came together. You know what whether I mean? it even came it together. Even come together. My crankiness can interfere there for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel, it, I feel it even with the food that I cook when I'm in a bad mood, I actually have a, a, a less than pleasant experience. And it came full circle for me where towards the end of the passage or the, the section that you wrote about uh, institutional food change, specifically mm -hmm. within higher education institutions, I loved this. I highlighted this or I copied mm -hmm. and pasted it because I had a digital copy. Um, you wrote about how the, the most significant response from the work that you did that I was very privileged to witness at right. Ryerson University came in the form of a student who said that the new menu, the signage and the communication told them the administration were genuinely invested in their well-being. And I was just like, no pun intended, chef's right? kiss. I mean, that this is, is that is it. And, and there were multiple passages in the book that talked about how the, the, the best reflection of the institution's values, um, to know that if they've permeated the organization, you have to see them reflected at the frontline staff level. Got it, got it. Otherwise, they, that, don't otherwise they don't exist. Otherwise they don't exist. don't exist. Man, how you do one thing is how you do all things. and. On that note, I want to ask you a, a question. What yeah. What is the, how, how do I say this? What, what is your purpose? What is the thing that you're trying to do with your Ooh. time on earth? 
Yeah. What, uh, what are the values? What are, what is what is the thing that's what is the the spirit force that's animating Josh Namaharaj? Okay, great. Uh, I would say at that high level, it's uh, being helpful. Wow. Uh, right. For sure. There's no question. It's about being helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And my life, uh, and particularly, I guess maybe my twenties, was spent figuring out how, and where, mm. and and even just simply where I was needed. You know, what did this world need? Uh, what are, you know, what does the world need me to do? What strength am I bringing to the table here? Uh, what's it all about? And the food thing hit. And when it landed in India, all came together and sent the proclamations home to my parents. Uh, who, they were not excited at all about, <laughs> about any of this. What are you uh, doing? And in fact, listen, Hamza, because we both, we've both done this uh, at the same time, the moment that my parents bit, the moments that they were like, oh, okay, this was worth it, was when my, I did my first TEDx talk. Yeah, same right? here. Uh, when yeah. that, you know they, they, those, for those teaser videos, yeah. hyping up the speakers and it all looks so badass and whatever. Right? Yeah. I emailed it to my parents and both of them separately were like, okay, are you done? Okay, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. good idea. I guess this yeah. worked. Good for you. That's it. Anyhow. My dad still thinks I'm a professor. He's like, Hamza, he's a professor. He speaks to students. I'm like, oh, no, it's so much more than that. In, cost, in, but. in their dream, maybe. <laughs> exactly, right? But okay, okay. I hear uh, you. That was your so, mated moment. Like, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm good with my parents now. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've totally. The right. They're like, okay, this was a fine <laughs> idea. That's good. Uh, but really, so once I dug through, I went to, I, I, it became super clear that standing in front of a stove and cooking and serving meals to people was not the thing I needed to do. Mm. Right. First, I thought I was like, should I be a farmer? Actually, is the issue on the land? Is that really yeah. where this is going to, you know? And no, <laughs> that's not the best no. use of me either. At all. These gifts would be squandered. <laughs> uh, exactly. Right. Bring me the wheelbarrow food and I will deal with it. But yeah. so, uh, that's not my place. Uh, and so, really, I when I sort of took a lay of the land, and this is like 2008 is when Michael Pollan published The Omnivore's Dilemma, mm. a whole slew of books. Eric Schlosser came up with Fast Food Nation, and everybody was like, whoa, the food system. We got problems, right? Yeah. And everybody sort of had a different angle on it. Raj Patel was stuffed and starved, like everybody at that moment. And so I was like, okay, I want to be a chef, and but this is now the landscape. So it became super clear that the gap that I could fill was actually more grassroots in actually luring people back into a closer relationship with food, either be right. it back into the kitchen, onto a garden, uh, just thinking about taking care of themselves spending more of their time and that, you know, just bringing everybody closer, which to me, the way I describe it now is that my primary goal above all of this is to help as many people as I can forge a closer, more connected relationship with their food. Brilliant. That's it. That's I, all I want to do. I love that so much. That is perhaps the most clear articulation of, uh, you know, purpose plus passion. You know, your purpose was to be helpful and then yes. your passion is exactly what you stated it to be. I'm, I'm interested to know because so much of your passion involves dealing with system level change and resistance mm. and rejection and, uh, you know, some yeah. very pressing uh, uh, human issues, some planet community mm. and planet issues. How do you sustain your passion? You know, what, what, what are the things that keep your passion alive? What gets you up out of bed each morning and allows you to push through the, 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 the sort of uh, fatigue that might set in for somebody as passionate as you are? Oh, I love it. Uh, I think that the best way to, I mean, there's two ways to answer that. One is the reality of the world. Right. 
right? It's no joke, particularly uh, around the pandemic. I remember those early days just watching stuff, particularly around grocery hoarding and shortages and just seeing the, like the, 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 uh, the, the vulnerabilities of all the systems laid bare in front of us. It was a bit mm-hmm. dazzling, I will say, you know, yeah, at that yeah. moment. Put it lightly, yeah. Right. And I, I, there was this moment of a couple of weeks where I was just screenshotting like a crazy person. Being like <laughs> the teaching slides that I'm going to generate from this Yo. is going to be amazing. Wow. Because holy say- shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. What we it's are happening. Seeing, the case right? study is, is happening is in real it, time. Right? <laughs> for, for the first time ever, it took a pandemic for there to be a PSA from the provincial government about cooking your meals for yourself yeah or or vitamin d3 you know (laughs) or like caring about your nutrition in any meaningful way sure yeah but then we also saw like you know how at the airport they have those wild lines of cars and parking lots yeah you know what i mean and from the visual when you're taking off you can see you know what i mean they had a look like that but that was actually an isolated car lineup for a food bank Uh, oh my god and especially a term that you introduced to me a while ago that i notice everywhere now food deserts yes and how yes. that might have played out and just the food scarcity and the vulnerability of the system, the precarious nature of the system this was laid bare as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. So, I mean, the truth is, uh, as obviously the pandemic was painful, it is, sure. you know, it's not over uh, and, and disruptive in the most elemental way to our lives. But I will tell you, for someone like me, who's been screaming and yelling about stuff like this from the sidelines, largely for the longest time, mm-hmm. there is a gift the fact that I can just point to stuff happening in the world right now as an illustration of what I've been y- yammering on, like that is amazing, right? It's no longer my crazy hypothetical, no. you know what I mean? Yeah. Dooms telling or, you know, whatever else it is. It's like, no, look, it happened. It actually happened. Here we and are. My friend, systems are dead, you know? Yeah. And and you you have been so far uh, ahead of the curve. I mean, just I, I was, I, I, I'm familiar with your experiences at the stop as a friend, but to read about them in detail was very Mm. revealing to see how instrumental that was in shaping this blend of activism and cooking and understanding of systems. One of the things that you told me a while ago was uh, sort of the biggest, I can't remember the way you phrased it, but you said uh, the the biggest threat to our nutrition systems, I mean, not in our nutrition systems, but to us as human beings, um, one of the dangers is is the prevalence of sugar in everything, how they've been gradually increasing the quantity of sugar in things. And that is something that I think about every time I go grocery shopping here in New York, I think about you, I'm like, holy shit, there's sugar in things that don't need sugar. Yes. And they actually have signage that says no added sugar. I mean, it's impossible to find a bowl of, or any box of cereal over here that doesn't have a minimum of 12 grams of added sugar to it. Absolutely. It's terrifying to make everything addictive. And then you look at the consequent uh, diabetes epidemic over here, the fact that 70% of the American population is on some form of prescription medication. All of these things are interlinked. And reading your book, in the beginning filled me with rage and passion. I was like, oh my God, like I got to get behind this in a big way. But then it was also very cathartic at the end where you said the solution is actually quite simple. It's to put people first. It's essentially center human dignity and and the experience. I mean, wow, there's one of the things that I highlighted over here. Let me just find it really quickly. Jumped out at me and said, um, you were talking about one of your mentors who said that our first experience of hospitality is at birth. Ooh, when we receive the Meyer, first, yes. Danny Meyer, the first four gifts of life, eye contact, a smile, a hug, and some food. And right? you followed up by saying, what I really love about this idea is that it positions hospitality as one of the most simple, basic elements of life. It's connection, kindness, affection, and nourishment. And I read that and I was like, God damn it, man. It could all be so simple if we just treated people better. 
That's exactly it. And it's, it's the truth of that is both heartbreaking and inspiring at the same time. Right? Heartbreaking because what the fuck are we doing? I didn't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? How did it get uh, this why bad? Or why are we letting this happen? Right? I think, right. and I think this is in the book somewhere, the notion that we need to manage and measure our pride in our technological advancements, the fact that we all walk around with computers in our pockets when we haven't actually figured out how to feed everybody every day. Right. We really haven't, right? No. This, this population is ballooning the way it is, but we still cannot fully, like not everybody eats every day still. It's terrifying to think like, about that. So is there, <laughs> like a, is there like a song, a poster, a ritual, a practice? Is there something that you do that connects you with the passion necessary to solve this problem? Um, there is uh, one, well, you've been to my house. And so you know that above my computer, my monitor, I have this cork board. Yes. Uh, right. And this corkboard is filled with little slips of paper with various nuggets. Uh, One from things. Yoda, in fact. Yeah, for sure. And then <laughs> Jay-Z, Common, uh, Cedric the Entertainer Yeah, uh, was amazing. Cedric the Entertainer's quote, it came down recently, but it was I would like, love to be at that dinner party. <laughs> Cedric, Cedric's quote was, I'm asking me if I'm left wing, right wing. He said, I don't know, motherfucker. I like sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but then you love this. Here's one: Neil deGrasse Tyson. He said, "There's stuff about the universe we'll never figure out. I just want to know when we hit that wall so I can go to the Bahamas." <laughs> and coming, coming from Neil deGrasse, from deGrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Tyson <laughs> I was like, "Aces, thank you." So good. Uh, so to be honest, I think the point is that the inspiration is everywhere. Mm. Right. It is everywhere. And what I have done is I've, I've realized I need a system to kind of like collect it and harness it and yeah. surround myself with it. And you've been to my house. So, you know, that I quite literally use the walls yeah. uh, around here to do that because uh, that's how the wisdom hits. Like I, one of my earliest quotes on this wall is Jay-Z, uh, where he says, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business I'm a businessman. <laughs> and it's just a space and a comma that. that changes the sentiment completely. Right. Yeah, this is it. this is interesting. I think I think the actionable insight here for for the action faction is that uh, you know your space, your physical space, can be a reflection of the things that are important to yes. you. You can sort of in, yes. invert the things that are inside and create physical manifestations of them yes. everywhere. And I like that idea of the corkboard. I actually forgot about that, and I've been meaning to replicate something similar to that. So this is a much it's needed super, conversation. Super helpful, uh, right? Just as uh, like. When I was younger, I realized that I just like, I needed a new operating system. I had some really, you know what I mean? I just needed to rework this. But as I mm -hmm. get older now, uh, it's really helpful to sort of have this bits of wisdom be like, I don't know yet about this, but I want to hang on to this and I need a place yeah. to park it, right? Uh, one of the bits that, I, that you will love that has been up for a long time is trust in Allah, but tie up your camel. <laughs> Yo, that, that is, that is legit, solid, man. solid, timeless, you know what I mean? Global Yes. Wisdom. That, I can't remember who book, said that. You know was I mean? that was that Muhammad who said that? That full on. That's from the book there. <laughs> that's from the book that's right there. The book. I love that. I forgot about that one. That's one that I learned uh, during it's my brief really in Islamic school. I was going to say, as a little bit, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. you got that. Exactly. But it's good, right? There it's we go. Wisdom. Well, Josh, I'm speaking about Little Bache, uh, this is the part of the podcast where we have some fun. I mean, we've been having nice. fun so far, but this is where okay. we take you outside of your comfort zone a little bit. Right, so it. full Let's disclosure to the Action Faction, I usually send the questions for this podcast, the ones that we know we want to ask our guests. I send them in advance, and sometimes they prepare for them. Sometimes they decide to come in and wing it. 
both both uh, you know uh, uh, ways of responding to them are fine. As you know, we've had really great conversations, but this one is completely unscripted. The guest nice. has no idea Woo. what I'm about to ask. Okay. It's a rapid fire game show esque oh section. Excellent. I'm either going to give you a yes or no. I'm going to give you a choice to make, or I'm going to ask you for your first thoughts in response to a prompt. Uh, again, Josh Knight, you're more than welcome to skip any of these, elaborate on your answers, but I will try and be disciplined and 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 you know keep this moving along. And then we're going to get into our last part of the podcast, which is a deep dive into the systems, processes, habits, values, practices that allow you to achieve wild success. The oh, nice. the, the 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 action part of the ideas into action. Easy. Are you ready, my friend? I'm ready. Are you? Is there a timer? Are you timing this? No, no, this no timer. Okay, this, this, yeah. we're, we're just gonna go. I got, I got really game show. I got really game show. In my okay, life, so I'm, I'm hyped. Okay. We got to do fine. sound effects, Evan. If you're listening to this, you know, yeah. work some sound effects into this. Maybe some yeah, applause please. or something. Yeah. All right. So this this one we're, we're gonna we're gonna start off on a spicy note. Younger Idris Elba or Michael B. Jordan? Idris, no question. No question. Okay, so this next question might be moot. Uh, older Idris Elba or Barack Obama? Uh, I think that Barack Obama is a little like I think that's dangerous territory. Idris okay. is safer, right? Because Obama's like I don't know. Is he's too he's too mythical? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. He's too like maybe want to hang out with him, but like sure. Idris is like I got a whole list of things. <laughs> you know, like, well, rumor Obama's has like, it two or three tricks. That's it. The yeah. two or three tricks. Uh, r- rumor has it that you have a, a large poster of Idris Elba in your bathroom. Uh, that it's the truth. It is. I, he was in, he was in, in GQ and I was cleaning up and I was recycling magazines and I saw him on the cover and I flipped through to the article and there was a fashion spread and, and there was a photo of him, one beautifully shirtless and then another standing in a kitchen with an espresso and a beautiful coat and it's dreamy smile. And I was like, I can't recycle this. <laughs> so I literally tore them out. But then I was like, now what do I do with them? And I was like, I stick them on the wall behind the door. So it's a gift for when you have some privacy. <laughs> yeah, every morning it's like, hey, good morning, sir. How are good you? Exactly. <laughs> good evening. And he's um, always positive and super He's cheerful. always there. Yeah, absolutely. And he's shirtless too, right? <laughs> it's the bathroom. Yeah. Hey. Okay, this one, I don't know where you're going to go with this because All I right. thought one of the most – um, prosaic sections of your book was when you described a uh, conference that you had in Italy. I was reading it and I was like, whoa, Josh has got to go into some fiction writing over here because Ooh. the 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 way that you were describing your interactions, especially the way the food was plated, I was like, holy smokes, you go, Joshna. So my question for you is Italian food or Indian food? Don't even, what are you asking me? Oh. I'm sorry. Okay, wait, I, let me ask you a better question. Okay. I'm going I'm to roll back and be like, to eat or to cook? Give me both. Yeah. So favorite to cook, uh, Indian. Okay. Uh, right? Because it, the reason that is is because it's the only cuisine I learned without recipes. Okay. Right? Indian cuisine for me is like my mom will be like, you cook this until it looks nice. Intuition. Until, you know what I mean? It's guts. Yep. It's the sound of the spoon on the side of mm-hmm. the thing. It's mm-hmm. the uh, the smell of the, you know, what all works, yep. that, how, how it has to look, the color, the shade. It's an uh, art. So I can get a little lost in the Indian stuff. Love it. Right? But, but. And, I, and I love eating it. But man, oh man, Yo. I never get tired of pasta and pizza. Talk to him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Never. I <laughs> only too, slow man. down because my body starts screaming and yelling about all of the starch. My body cannot handle it. Yeah. So I have to slow down. But if I had it my way and there were no physical consequences, I would eat pasta every day. All like I am not bored of it. Right. I wow. love that food. I love the spirit and the gusto of the Italian table. 
Oh, so good. So good. And I'm so glad you had that very transformative experience at the conference in Italy. I think it was, I think it was part of the plan, right? I do really believe that I went there and it was like the universe adjusted my shoulders uh, to point me in the direction and then sent me back home and was like, get to work, kid. There you go. You experienced the benefits of the slow cooking movement happening in Rome. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, An app that you can't live without. Instagram. No, I can live without Instagram. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. (laughs) An app that I can't live without. That's necessary Um, to the function of Josh. uh, Texting. I would, I would, my texting for sure. There's no question. My messages app. I hear people answer this question. I'm always surprised that they have some weird, like their calm nighttime app. And Mm -hmm, I was just like, are you a texting maniac? (laughs) It's the easiest, you know what I mean? The most, I put it in the most comfortable to rest spot on my phone bottom left you know right what I mean? there bottom yeah. left because <laughs> my, th- my tip of my thumb naturally yeah. lands right there because Same. that's that's it yes. yeah it's just like texting asana and gmail for me um right. an app that you've been thinking about deleting oh now that actually instagram instagram dude instagram. you and i both have it you heard becoming of less and less uh relevant and yes. more, more problematic i suppose well once they I changed agree. the feed hums i all got less exciting Right yeah. now, I feel like my Instagram posts are more obligatory than anything. I, I feel tremendous pressure to show up on social media in ways that are, um, you know, increasingly inauthentic to me. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I have to constantly like prop up this idea of me getting out there doing stuff as a way to continue doing stuff that I'm doing right now. But it doesn't feel right. Uh, something yeah. about it just isn't working with my soul right now. So I've been I've been contemplating taking some time off social media. Have you heard about this app called Be Real? No. So check this out. I I just downloaded it. How it works is uh, once a day for two minutes, you get a prompt to take a photo or record a video with no filters, no caption, nothing about just what you're doing, your real life. And then you share it. And then for 24 hours, I get to see what Joshna's life is like. You get to see what Hamza's life is like. Um, I thought it was an interesting sort of pendulum shift back. But okay, Mm -hmm. that's another story for another time. I love it. We're we're in your quick, quick time session. Right, right. Here's a here's an interesting one. The last movie, Joshna, that made you cry. The last movie that made me cry. Um, I'm trying to think about what I just recently watched. It was one. Oh my god, I can't remember. It's all a blur because I'm a streaming maniac. <laughs> I'm trying to think what was actually a movie uh, versus television. No, give me a TV show. That's that's okay too. Uh, TV show. Drag Race. RuPaul's Drag, RuPaul's Drag Race. Made you um, cry, eh? Yeah. Oh, my God. Drag Race is... RuPaul is a visionary. Uh, yeah. In a way that I don't think most people realize, right? It's You have to kind of push back, push past the makeup and the... And the, and the you know what I mean? The, the visual dazzling kind of vibe of mm-hmm. it all. And really understand what's happening on that stage. Yeah. Right? And what, and what those, what those mo- you know, mostly uh, dudes are going through. Uh, and what that process is all about, like it, the way the the, the world and the culture that RuPaul has created wow. is, uh, and and we're all better off for it. You know what I mean? This yeah. world, all of us, we don't realize it yet, but we are all better off for the fact that that exists. One hundred percent. I had no idea how to read drag culture or RuPaul yeah. let alone until I had a queer friend explain to me what was going on and the tension yes, of identity, yes. and I was like, oh, it's wow, mega. mega. And the, the brave, the the bravery. Yeah. 
right? Connected with actually, with all, I mean, you see like stuffing and, and exaggeration and sure. you know what I mean? All of this, but to actually think about what that means to get out there and do that. It makes me want to do drag, Same. to be honest. Yeah. Right? It makes me want to be like, do I have what it takes to do this? Could I right. do this? What is I the reckon, you know, I identity persona? Yeah, that right? needs to come out. brave person, but who is that? Mm. Who is that? I love that. Great, great right. answer, my friend. Yeah. Okay. The next city or country on your bucket list for travel. Uh, bucket list is Turkey. Ireland is actually happening. Wow. When's Ireland happening? Uh, next week I'm headed for a food conference, which Ooh. is especially exciting. It's called food on the edge. And I'm speaking the most thing. The thing I love about it is that it's the one chance I get to talk to other chefs. Yeah. I very rarely get to talk to chefs about my work. I talk to power policy people, health people, the general public, you know, that sort of thing. But the conversations that I can have about my work with other people who understand the kitchen is is it, it like my heart races you know it's a I different mean? kind of vibe so excited you get so to skip I, steps i guess right you get to just start from yes. a place of an elevated conversation yes, in focus fact, on right one of the bit in my hospital food slideshow right that i do one of the first photos that i have is of in any professional kitchen there's these big white bins under the counter with like flour sugar rice you yep. know the, the essentials yeah uh, and it's large volumes in the first hospital I worked in, there was one for all-purpose flour, and then right beside cornstarch, right, and that's a that's a shit ton of cornstarch for one kitchen. When you imagine cornstarch is in like a small little hot chocolate sized, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, container, and so I was like, what is going on in this kitchen that we have to use this much cornstarch? This is a this is a red flag, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. But when I put that photo up in front of health policy people, no response. But I yeah, put that standard. photo up in front of a bunch of cooks, and I could the whole room gasped wow. right everyone was like whoa, whoa. what is that right and I was like, people yeah this, why this is a big deal right exactly while this is not just an intro photo they were like why what is wow. this all about right because right and it's important to note the only context that i can imagine whether that would be feasible is in a serious chinese kitchen yes right serious chinese kitchen cornstarch shows up in many many sure ways. making sauces uh, and stuff yeah, yeah. and, and it, it's embedded in a different way but in this hospital uh i discovered a cornstarch slurry has been added to attempt to prop up essentially pretty dead food that's all that <laughs> that's yeah, all you, the you called it uh i, I think uh, you yeah, called it week, weekend at bernie's food right i i chuckled right? out loud i was like oh what a, what a great reference because this cornstarch slurry is like a chopstick tied to the back of the neck yeah, this dead body, like, right? That's, yeah, yeah. that's all it is, right? This food is dead, and we're just trying to prop it up to make it look somewhat nice on the plate. And it's I, I I had to read this passage a couple of times where you I think in the first like five pages you 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 pointed to the villain. You said the villain is industrialization. Yes, it is this yes. pressure to produce the most amount of things at the lowest uh, cost possible. And yeah. and I thought to myself, wow, like I thought that the enemy would be a person. It would be uh, Monsanto, it would be like uh, some, no, no, no. some, some like evil uh, backdoor uh, collective right. of, of big wigs with their feet on the Wizard desk smoking the cigars. Curtain. Right, right, right. But no. the, I guess it goes to Hannah Arendt, the banality of evil. It was just, it was such a simple answer, but it was one that took me a while to process. And I'm glad you named that because I'm starting to now notice that in other realms. I was talking earlier today uh, to this PhD candidate who's work, working on uh, water security for the world. And he was also right. talking about industrialization and how that has, uh, you know, it seems to be a common villain over here. But we'll, we'll get to that. I think we'll have a deeper dive as, okay. as we get to the, to the latter part of this. My next couple of questions for you. Mm. What was the most recent life lesson that you learned? Oh, man. 
uh, just recently, just so recently. These are I, terrible I, short. These are terrible quick rapid fire they're, answers. They're, they're totally <laughs> I gotta answers. rethink this. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's really true. Uh, one of the things we'll get into in the next chunk, um, but uh, is uh, we're gonna talk about my brown lady tax. Brown okay. lady and the life lesson that has come with this that is up on the wall in a very easy eyeline sight for me is um, you don't have to keep beating yourself up because it's the only way the world accepts you. Ooh. Yeah. Is that that's a Josh not original? That's me. That's me. Wow. Well, from the voice inside, let's say. I, need, <laughs> I needed to hear that. that. As a brown guy, I needed to hear that. Thank you. You do. No, you do. And and this first it's taking a bit of a heavier turn in this conversation. Oh, but real like uh, and we'll we'll deal with it more, but that's that's one of the things that I'm really working through right now. I will I will circle back to that. Yeah, yeah. This next one is going to require a little bit of uh, a little bit of a, a, a juggling, if you will. So yeah. you got to tell me which of these is overrated, underrated, or perfectly rated. Okay. Okay. Overrated, underrated, or perfectly rated. Yeah. You ready? Mm-hmm. Mango lussy, mango barfi, mango chutney. Uh, mango Lussie, perfectly rated. <laughs> mango Barfi, uh, overrated. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's the right place for the mango. Sure. I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, I have my my brown card. My card <laughs> right here, right now. That's it, man. Uh, but man, mango podcast, chutney. Uh, mango chutney, underrated. The uses of mango chutney are way more than we realize. Yeah. Even and though, I- even though technically, it might be a thing that the British came up with. Oh, hey, interesting. I had no I idea. Actually, I think it actually is. Because the achar is us. But if yes. you start calling it chutney, that's not us. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's Colonel Dwyer comes in. He's like, exactly. <laughs> Sherwood Forest. Something yeah. Exactly. Okay, one ingredient to elevate a basic egg salad sandwich. Oh, lemon juice. Whoa. Come on. Okay. All that's right. That's what you need. Love it. Yeah, you know, people don't think it, but that's what you need. Lemon juice, for sure. Fresh lemon juice. Yeah. The more exhilarating institution to work in, hospitals or universities? Uh, universities. Easy. Interesting. Okay. Uh, you know why? More, more, uh, more end user connection. Yes. I can, I can, I can, I can debate with the students about the extra twenty five cents for the naturally raised burger. Totally. Right? I didn't. I didn't have to go with the hospitals. I had to get all these weird approvals to just put a thing on a plate. Whereas I could play yeah. with the students and engage with the students. And For sure. You know what I mean? Or your, your very uh, first day at the barbecue, fun. right outside of Pittman, Remember you're offering that? salads. Right? <laughs> and they're pulling their plates away. Right? And I was like, it's just lettuce covered with mayo. Come on. So good, man. That, it was such a nostalgic book to read. I'm so glad I'm so glad it's out in the world. Okay, we're almost at the end here, my friend. Fried yeah. chicken or fried rice? A prefer uh, a preference? Yeah, what would you like to eat? Oh, fried fried rice. Fried rice over fried chicken. I, I eh? can eat fried rice all the time. Fried chicken is a sometimes food. True, right? true. Uh, but I can fried rice. I would uh, all the time. It's breakfast, uh, and lunch, I like, dinner. I make it and I make it virtually weekly, right? Because it's a, like when you clean out your fridge or sort it all out. That's the yeah. fried rice. It's a mishmash. It's dirty yeah. and you can make it just the way you want it with the little hot saucy bits and all that. You know, so good. Uh, a book that changed your life. Uh, autobiography of Malcolm X. Ooh, which Easy. I have not read yet. Okay. Oh, I highly recommend it. The, the As Told to Alex Haley is the one I'm talking about. Uh, and the reason uh, I read it in university in a class called Spiritual Autobiographies. Wow. Solid, right? Gandhi, of course, was on that list. As well. Yes. Um, but what I love about it, one, the man's trials and his journey is compelling enough. Mm-hmm. But for me, when I really was like, oh, shit, was after his trip to Mecca. Right, yes. because what he learned when he went to Mecca 
was the was the universality of the human experience right right and the way he filtered it through himself and and came back and the way that that influenced his relationship with god and islam in its organized kind of faction in the way that it was in the u.s and and to watch him compare nation of islam versus you know what I mean? Mecca Islam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right? To Medina Islam's very different vibes, right? Exactly. And what I loved about it was that when he actually settled on what his truth was, he had the bravery to make change. Wow. Right? Fundamentally changed his opinion on things. He, you know what I mean? At the very And he was a dude literally standing at a microphone screaming and yelling about how things should be. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had some new intel and that reconciled inside of him and his tone and he was i loved that he was brave enough and understood i think the truth enough mm-hmm. to say that my job is to follow the truth yeah my job is to not decide what who i you know what i think and what i you know what i mean it's not about me right if this is a path and you know what i mean the sacred experience is involved here that is what i have at all costs yeah, there was like a certain like vitriol in his in his earlier messages pre pilgrimage, and then I yes. think he wrote that I stood sat shoulder to shoulder with blue eyed white men, blonde haired, sat with them and ate with them, and it changed his perspective. I've been meaning yes. to read that book. I, I love the yes. movie. Shout out Denzel, great movie. Oh my god, Spike Lee, fine form. He but like I, inhabited Malcolm. Yeah, right? he became he became Malcolm. Malcolm in this really beautiful way. Right, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. Uh, I watched it recently, and it holds up. Okay, I'm excited. This has jumped the queue. This is the next book I'm going to read. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really, and I'm sure as a Muslim, you know, you know what I mean. There'll be, there'll be a, a deeper hook in there for you. For I sure. think so, and also with like yeah. maybe some of the the rage that I experience in in the line of work that I do. Right, I, yeah. I feel sort of my activist identity starting to take form. So this might be a great way to preempt some of the challenges yeah. I might and run like, into. Why are you? What I love about it, uh, they talk a lot about the hustle. Yeah. Big time. Right? He talks his whole the whole genesis of his life is about the hustle, right? Yes. In this in this very glorified way. Uh and I know that's something you and I have talked a lot about. And there's a little yeah. more to come on our conversation. There's, there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. yeah, what was I thinking trying to introduce a yeah, rapid amazing. fire segment Hilarious. into into our conversation? We can do it. We can do it. <laughs> we, have to, we have to have our hands tied somehow. That's it. Okay. I promise I will be disciplined for these last three questions. Yeah. Okay. Um the last song you played on repeat. Oh. Uh, good as hell. Good as Lizzo. hell, Lizzo. Yeah, great one. That the song me- always ends too fast. It all. Yeah, it's a very. I feel like the songs are, are 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 getting shorter these days. I wonder if it's a reflection of the attention span of the audience. In three minutes. We got three. That's minutes. That's it. It's, it's got to be TikTok up. friendly, right? Done. The the meal you dream about most often. Uh, the meal I dream about most often is uh, that for the first bite when the hot naan comes oh. to the table and you dive into the first taste of the right and you pull and it burns your mouth oh. and it's and that, that and, and you like all the bits with the chutney and the onions and the, uh, you know what i mean like yeah oh, yeah and, and you're just like yes this yeah. is my <laughs> <sighs> yeah all right i there's gonna be a strong lunch right after this <laughs> last question my friend you you rock yeah. this if you could put any word, phrase, or symbol on a billboard for the world to see, what would it say? Uh, remember that other people live here too. Oh, I, wow. <laughs> I have thought that, about this a lot. If I yeah. won that 70 million that's still on the table right now with the Lotto Max, yeah. uh, I would spend a chunk of that money on PSAs on bus shelter ads. I'm stunned, man. Like that is, uh, whew, I'm like shivers, shivers throughout my body right now. That is, remember. that's wild. Remember other that people other people live here too. 
and and the people that we've put on the pedestal, the people that we've lionized, and we say that is the the benchmark of success. I, I doubt that they think about that at all. Ten richest men in the world. I don't think they think about what no, you just said listen, right now. I gotta say, I just watched Elon Musk say some nonsense the other day. <sighs> Fuck it, I, right? And the like, the <laughs> thing that I find most, the thing that just makes me want to like upturn the table and burn it all down, is that when shit got thick. Right when the world was in a, you know what I mean, and we were also paused and terrified. Yeah, these assholes just sat around watching. Yeah, dude. Okay, on their piles of money, they just sat around watching, and I was like, "What the hell did you build that for? What did you if build all that you for? Were going to do is sit on it and watch us crumble like this? No. The, the thing that frustrates me the most, and this is probably why I, I I might speak to Amazon soon, or I might never be asked to speak to Amazon, is I read in an interview, Jeff Bezos said, I'm still discovering my philanthropic identity. And I'm like, motherfucker, what does that even mean? You're waiting for the good Lord to come? Shut up, asshole. You, Write some checks. Yeah, that's it. Treat your people better. Like, I don't understand. It's right at your doorstep. Make your people actually have time to go to the damn bathroom. Like, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm I'm gonna write that down. That's gonna go on my cork board. It's gonna be remember that other people live here too. Signed JM. Beautiful, man. Thank Thanks. you. I round of applause for you. You you rock that. That was the best. Thank you. That was the best uh, uh, rapid fire that we've ever had on. on <laughs> Not on, so on rapid fire. <laughs> yes. No, but but it, but it still came. It, still, it was it was it was hot. It was fast, and it was Amazing. it was very very powerful. My friend, let's land this plane. The last few questions okay. are about your process, about the systems that govern the uh, the production of these ideas into action. So my first question for you, my friend, is what are some of the apps, tools, resources that have been instrumental, that are instrumental, I should say, in your productivity system? What are the things that you use tangibly to get things done? Okay. I got a lot to tell you right now. AJ. Break it down. Uh, and that is formerly when you and I have had this conversation, we've been like, what's the thing? What puts it all together? You know, what app, what space, sure. what strategy, what process? And I got serious about that for a while. Okay. And then COVID hit. I actually got the thing. And now I have long COVID. Yo. And the reason that's important is that it shows up most prominently in a foggy head and fatigue. Right? That takes me over. Which means, and I don't know until I wake up in the morning how things are going to be. Right? Uh, and so it's, it's, it was much, it was worse than it is now. I figured out some tools and strategies to manage it, but there over the course of the last say year and a half, it has been a fundamental gear shift over here. Sorry to hear. Hmm. Okay. I've had to completely change everything about how I spend my time and energy. Right. And, and at the same time, I have really, so there is this wonderful voice and population of black women Right. Uh, a, a ride like this, this voice really blew up after this man was killed in the streets and we all watched it happen. George right. Floyd, and then everything yeah. kind of changed and shifted after that moment. But there's this woman who runs and I want you to use this. If you find yourself back on Instagram, follow the nap ministry. Following. Okay. Because there is this beautiful voice and sentiment largely raised by black American women about the fact that our job that like we have to slow down. Right. And that there is a mythical kind of fallacy in the hustle and that it just glorifies our brown people taxes. Ooh, talk to me. Right. And that we call it hustle because that's a way to make it, you know, to the cool hip hop culture connection yeah. of it all. Helps and the medicine the, go down. And that right? started from the bottom. Now we're here. Like in all of that, it's exciting. But if we actually sit quietly and think about why we have to hustle so hard. Ooh. It is, I can't find anything 
other than these these stupid taxes that we have. Yeah. To pay, if right? you're the manor born, you're not hustling. Let's just put it that way. This is exactly it, right? And that is how we glorify our oppression. Yes. Wow. Right? The hustle wow. is how we and once that truth landed on me, I was like, uh mm-hmm. yes, because I mm-hmm. burned myself out. Yeah. Right. And we call we call it a reward because you look at my social media feed or whatever else you yep. look at, and you figure out that that's what success is, uh, right? And so I was in this crazy place now, realizing with my long haul life that I need way more of my own energy and resources to take care of myself. Right. I need more space in between stuff. I can't back to back things. I you know certain times of day are not good. All this business, right? And I was like, where am I going to find this? And the only place that I could identify where I was unnecessarily or perhaps wastefully spending my energy was in this hustle. Yeah. Right. So there's a piece in my future, I hope, called How Long COVID Forced Me to Stop Paying My Brown Lady Tax. I love that. I can I can right? already see it. That's the I'm gonna Chatelaine McLean, somebody is gonna pick that up. Yeah. And I'm gonna write that piece because that has that is what has happened. So my 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 sense of my own productivity has completely flipped. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, because of this for sure. But it also, I can tell you, forced me to kind of take the training wheels off a little bit and realize that to some degree I have put my 10,000 hours in. More than. Right? I am a master yes. of some things. You know what I mean? Yes. There's a little suite of things of yep. which I am a master. You are the and best. I don't need to work really hard anymore. To do no. This. And in right? fact, I working don't. hard is counterproductive because it, it dulls the edge. Is. It dulls the edge and it um, disrespects the body of knowledge that I've built. Dude. Right. One of the things that I was thinking about in our earlier bit of conversation was you were talking about the bullets and the hot, you know what I mean? And the quick, uh, you know, and not wanting to distill it all down that way. Yes. Yes. Uh, My actual, my approach is actually the inverse, right? Because of what I say, I learned early on that if I can give the journalist or whoever the bulleted list of hot, the top three reasons why you should care about this, then my quote is the one that ends up in the article. Or I end up on the newscast that you know, right. CP twenty, you know the right. CP twenty four, right. yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. So whatever mouthful I wanted to say about social assistance rates, or you know whatever it was I was yelling about at that moment, and I was like, I'm constantly selling what I do: institutional you have to, yeah. food change, why you care about food, local food. You know me, right? Yep, yep. So I've always needed to have these bullets and these tiny little right. bits ready for whoever happens to be around. Wow! And so much so that my editor and I went through this really fascinating process when I was writing because I actually had, she was like, I need more from you than 140 characters, right? I was so used to talking about these things in 140 character chunks because that's how I deliver you all You were optimized for that. And the fact that, that I mm. now had to, had to flesh this out, I needed paragraphs, I need chapters. Uh, what else is behind that process for like backfilling it? With the richer notes and the flavor, like if you'll if you'll take the food connections, right? The nuance, the fragrance, yeah, the yeah, the details, I love it. Right? I'm all like, oh, sick, hungry people, oh, dying, burning planet, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, whereas it's all like essential all the time. Uh, so that, so anyhow, I'm taking a bit of deviation. <clears throat> no, no, this is but great. I have completely kind of canned productivity. Wow. Now, and I'm really focusing on being like, what worked? How do I live? What do I do? that lets the master just do her thing. 
This is so interesting because like I, I found that I've started to distance myself from productivity as a topic. Even in this yeah. podcast, I think in like the resurgence second season, we spent less and less time talking about the actual productivity system and we go more into the art of it. We talk about passion and yeah. purpose because I'm on the same kick as you right now where uh, like the hustle has been glorified. The hustle has been exaggerated and hustle culture is something that yeah. we can clearly look back at and say that was very toxic. It didn't serve yeah. us well. It made the rich guy richer and it left the totally. rest of us holding the bag. Yeah, and, 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 the, and not chasing the truth. And not chasing the right truth. is the thing, yes. So let me let me then remix this next question because I was going to ask you like how do you manage your time, energy, and attention? And I was going to ask yeah. you to walk us through your daily productivity processes. But as somebody who, who suffered from COVID as well, who, sorry, who experienced COVID and then yeah. I'm not sure if I have long COVID, but I definitely experienced in the aftermath of that diminished energy, diminished productivity, mm-hmm lack of focus. And I wonder if I should get myself tested or, you know, chat with a doctor about if I have, you know, some lingering business, business, or if I'm just going through early stages of burnout right now, how, how do you still, you know, uh, um, summon the energy and the focus necessary to do the things that you're doing? For example, let's just talk about today. Like you showed up today with your A plus game for this podcast. And before this, you had a couple of meetings, like what, what, what went into like, preparing Josh now for the day ahead. So one of the most important things I did was got really serious about limiting my schedule. Mm. Right. Uh, I know that for me, what I need right now is because sleep is a bit of a volatile thing. That's part of long COVID life. So I need a no alarm wake up. Wow. Right. Because if I have a rough night, I need the freedom to, to move into the morning a little bit more if that's the way that goes. Cause I cannot, I cannot force myself to do things. I have none of that reserve <laughs> stash of any energy anymore mm-hmm, right i don't the mm-hmm. uh, covid took it when it left my body so now i don't take any meetings before 11 a.m beautiful across the board i don't do anything all that time is me time to get up whenever i get up i do a yoga practice mm-hmm. i may there's meditation connected with saunter that, you know right and it's just all at my own pace uh, and this 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 apartment becomes this very sort of nurturing, positive, you know what I mean, positive sound, all this business. Um, I do the yoga practice. I have uh, like fistfuls of supplements and nutritional, you know, all of that business sure. with my hot lemon water and all the things. And I find that if I don't create the time for it, it doesn't naturally happen. Got it. Right. So I have to literally schedule in, take the meds, take your greens, uh, you know what I mean, do the yoga practice. Uh, and then I like to drink a cup of coffee in silence by myself. Sounds like there's a nice gradual, like booting up yes. process or like a, exactly. like a nice sunrise, you know, I love that. And then I have the time to be like, okay, what does this day look like? What do I need to be? Who do I need to be today? Set some intentions. Right? And then I can, and, and I'm also, because I really, we can't, I, we cannot be slaves to our calendars. Mm, right? Tell me we more. Be. And so if I look at things in the calendar, I'm like, oh, fucking hell, who decided to, you know what? Who decided this? This isn't right? aligned with like, my well, values. Yeah. Right. Or like, or like, ah, I don't want to do this. And I'm like, well, yeah. you put it in there, dopey. Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why did you agree to a thing that you don't want to do? Was it fear? What was it? Right? Yeah. What is that? You know, what is it? Is it you're going to do the stupid thing and you're going to make a nice pile of money? Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe. that happens. Right, but, right. but whatever. So I have really gone through the processes of being like, is this a thing I really want to do? Is this worth my time? Is this going to help me be better? Or right? And whose needs am I serving? Because HK, for sure, my schedule previously has been filled with doing shit for other people. People pleasers. Yeah. Right? Part 100%. of the brown lady tax. Right? And that's where the, you don't have to keep beating yourself up because it's the only way the world accepts you. Mm. 
right? It's the the constantly pushing myself, right? Uh, the constantly being like, I don't need as much sleep or downtime or quiet time because other people's emails are there. Other people need things for me. And that's more important than what I need for myself, uh-huh. right? Fundamentally, that's the internalized message of these taxes, right? What the world needs for me is more important than what I need for myself. Wow, man, this is this is coming uh, and out that's of very... fundamentally right uh, because the world needs in order for me to move through this world, I need to be apologizing for myself, right, wow. or making excuses for myself for being like, yes, I understand, I'm brown, or uh, whatever, you know, whatever it is, and that's where the like, that's the piece. I need to stop this internal loop. You know what I mean? I need that, to stop. Yeah, that's that... the thing. Like everywhere I turn internalization it just keeps showing yes. up i just watched have you seen hassan minhaj's recent court jester not yet but i'll tell you a funny oh story in just God. a couple of minutes i'll tell you a funny story in just a couple of minutes yeah Woof. right and he like he really talks about the depth of the internal like he doesn't name it that but that's all he's talking about right is the internalization um and yeah and to see how I think one of the, the, aside from like global domination and conquering, one of the most effective moves of colonization was turning us all in an intergenerational Oof, way into goodness. self-oppressing machines. Ah, it's the, it's the right? final, final, final face of power where we don't even recognize the power anymore that and we we're policing ourselves. Bullshit. The call is coming from inside the house. Oh, that is, <laughs> right? you know what? Hats off to the, you know, the, the fucking just, just brilliant way in which it was executed. I mean, well done. Well right? done, well man. Done. Like, with, uh, with, you know what I mean? I don't know that they, I don't, I actually don't know that that ridiculous royal family had any sense of the lasting impact. Yeah. I, I do not believe that this was their goal. Yeah, the fact that you right. and I have to talk about it, right? Like, right here, right we're, we're paying the tax in real time. Right? Can I'm you say that about, quote again? Know? So stop beating yourself up because that's the way the only, that's the only way the world accepts you? Is, am I saying little, that correctly? Little shift. You don't have to keep beating yourself up okay. because it's the only way the world accepts you. You don't have to. And this is a, this is a Josh and original, right? This is me. You don't have to keep. Wow, man, this is uh, this is, this is coming at at, at 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 a very important time in my life because I'm starting to make the mental shift from a martyr to an athlete. Yes. Oh my God, that's exactly it. I'm right? like that's I'm a performance exactly athlete. It. This is what I do. I, I treat my work the same way that you know maybe Michael Jordan treats basketball or LeBron James treats yes, basketball or whatever the case yes, may yes, be. Yes, yes. But I think up until this recent epiphany, I have been approaching my work as a martyr because I know that when I when I behave in these ways, I'm rewarded materially. Yes, P- people speak about me a certain deal. way. Yes. I win the awards, but yes. the sacrifice is is just that. It's a sacrifice. I'm I'm parting with a part of my my body, my soul that I'm not going to get back. Mm-hmm. There's no regeneration in this process, no. and there's no authenticity. So I love this. I'm going to think about this. You've just been. Dropping these gems here, my friend. <laughs> we've been this conversation is a long time coming. It's us. been a long it's time a coming, and yeah. I, I, we—I I don't think we've even scratched the surface. I think we no, could we easily have, we could yeah. just talk all day, my friend. There is more, but anyhow, I yes. want to say one real quick thing about Hassan Minaj. So you're, I think you're going to get a kick out yes. of this. I, you know me, I, I've got love for everybody, yes. but I reserve the point zero zero one percent of pettiness, brown man pettiness for Hassan Minaj. You know why? Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Tell yeah. me why. I'm going to whisper. Okay. 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 Why? I've I, not, I have the same response. I've not seen any of his material. I've watched like 30 seconds of his clip and I knew when I saw him, I'm like, oh shit. You know that guy, right? No, 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 you no, know no, that no, guy. no. This is it. Ready? You ready for this one? I was like, you are me, but better. Oh! Uh, 
and, and then and then Josh oh, HK, that's rough. I that's was like, rough. I was like, bro, you're taller than me, your beard's nicer than me, you're more eloquent than me, you're funnier <laughs> than me, you're more popular than me. So like I internalized that. And there was like it was it was 49% appreciation, right? And then it was 51% like, I hate you. Right? Yeah, you're you're in the way. You're in the way. And then right. And then it got worse when all of my friends and family would be like, oh, did you see Hamza Minaj's new thing? Oh, oh Hamza, oh. he's just like you. Oh, Hamza. He just salted my wounds. Oh, my people. God. And then when he came to Toronto and people were posting on Instagram, being like, I yeah, can't wait yeah. to go see Hamza. And I'm like, that's my show. Yeah. So I reserve okay. my 1% pettiness for Hamza Minaj. Yo, I, I hear he's a great guy. I've enjoyed listening to his podcast. I don't get any visuals. I listen to him speak yeah, to yeah, like yeah, Gaz yeah, Ahmed yeah. and Riz Ahmed. I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, uh, Gus Khan, Riz Ahmed. Great podcast during the pandemic. But I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, if I ever meet you, I'm going to say thank you for doing what you do and thank you for inspiring me. But like there's a small petty part of me. The Spiegel is just like, ah, you know? Hamza, I will argue that the reason that that exists takes us right back to internalization. I know you're so because right, it, right, man. Because the only reason you're you so feel right. that is because you know that there is not two stools. Yes. His okay? proximity to the power. You have, right? I have, uh, to be honest with, I don't know if you know, but this Suzanne Barr is a beloved, wonderful Toronto chef, super dear friend of mine. And I had the same relationship with her because she was coming up smart yeah. black lady running a brunch service that yeah. blew this city. She was know? in your lane. And she got stuff to say. And, and I was like, who is this bitch? Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I'm supposed to I be the EOC activist I am the one they call. Not you. And and I was like, what are you doing? You love her. She is your deep soul sister. I know. I know. And it was only because I know that there is not two stools. There is no way any panel wants two of us. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we can have five white guys lined up anywhere talking sure. about anything. Every actor is no Mark way. Wahlberg, Leonardo DiCaprio, Chris sure. Pratt, Chris Pines. There's no, like eight Issa. white. Yes. Just Issa. Just Issa. Issa's enough. Exactly. <laughs> Issa's enough. Just Mahershala right? Ali. Just exactly. Mindy. Yeah. Right? Just Mindy. Uh, we don't need four Mindy. And even I felt this way about Mindy. I was like, you're more my lawn. You're bitch. in my lawn. Yeah. When she started, when she started doing cooking videos, oh, right? you're like, cooking, this bitch. I was like, oh, oh. Mindy? <laughs> You can't He's be a New York Times show. best-selling author and a right? thought leader and, and, and a chef now. Uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, That's that hilarious. is the only reason you feel that way about Hassan Minhaj. You know what? You know there are not two stools first for brown guys like you. And you're like, I am that guy, motherfucker. That the, is the only reason. Th- this is this is very cathartic. And I, I appreciate you kicking my ass on this because you're absolutely right. I know you're absolutely right. I know that my pettiness is wrong. And here's the thing. I live in Hell's Kitchen. Apparently, rumor has it, he lives in Hell's he Kitchen. Just did. I just, he just moved to Greenwich, Connecticut. I know this oh, is okay. special. Yo, he's in, you know what? I'm the, I'm the so last brown bearded guy standing. You got your turf. You got your turf. You I got chased him out. Turf. You it's know like, what? Let, let, let the record show. I chased him out. He he found out Hamza Khan moved here and he's like, right? he was like I, I'm out. He's in my lane. I need, yeah. <laughs> At let's least that's what I'm going to, I want to cry myself to sleep. I'll let's, say that. <laughs> let's let this one live. It's just, he might look at you and be like, let's let this childless young star have this spot, right? He moved to, to Connecticut because of, he had the babies and he needed the space. There we go. My friend, I know you have a train to cash. You're a very busy woman. So I want to ask you our last two questions yeah, and then yeah, le- leave you on your way here. Uh, what's next for you? What are the next stops on the career adventure? Um, so teaching has has bloomed beautifully. Beautiful. But so happy to hear that. I actually really, I need to jump in. I just need to, I want to get in front of more people in a more regular way. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that speaking, public speaking? Maybe, maybe it's television. I don't know. But I like, I need to get out there and have more conversations with people. 
that is really the thing that I want to do a bit more. It juices me up. Right. I think that, uh, I also think that like, I want to like part of our post pandemic, whenever we fully stand in the truth of that, we're not quite there yet, but whenever that comes, we have a lot to consider. There's a lot of lessons to learn. There's lots Mm -hmm. of things for us to think about, particularly around our food system. Right. And I will argue that our focus actually should be the food system Mm -hmm. because if, because good food, really good food policy automatically means good education policy, good trade policy, good land policy, right? If we grow the food well, we'll take care of the land. People will get paid fairly. Health outcomes will improve. Like this is the point when food is the largest common denominator for us as humans. Yep. So that's, uh, that is, that's the angle that I'm chasing, right? To be like, no, just follow the food, focus on the food. If we are, if we are also swallowed up by the change making or the rebuilding or whatever, you know, just start with the food. I have a bit of a fire to get that out there. And I'm, I'm a believer. There's so much about your book that I highlighted. I'm going to share you all the excerpts that I copied. This one jumped out to me. It said, uh, you wrote, constantly putting the lowest cost as the highest priority for patient food mm-hmm. is precisely what got us into this wasteful mess in the first place. And I think about the circular nature of the problems that we're exactly. experiencing today. Exactly. And uh, so beautifully articulated. And I highly recommend everybody read this book, even if you have no interest in food security, food safety, um, you know, a- activism, and any things that we talked about in this pod- on this podcast. This book is about so much more. It is just a, a beautiful set of three big stories and multiple mm-hmm. anecdotes throughout. It'll, ch- it'll truly shift your perspective. You, I promise you, when you read this book, you will look at the world differently. The next meal you have, you will look at it and think, whoa, where did this come from? What does this say about the values of the people who prepared it? What is my role in propagating some of the systems that might be exacerbating uh, degradation of, of my community or enhancement of my community, vitality of it? I'm, I'm, you, you left us with, with a true gift, my friend, and uh, you know, I regret that it took me so long to read this book. Thank oh you again goodness, for hooking no me up. Worries. I look you forward are. to my physical copy, signed, of course. I'm going to need. I'm going to. I'm going to flip this on eBay someday. Um, it's, it's here waiting for you. Yes, yes, yes. I'll pick it up next time I'm in Toronto, my friend. It's totally here waiting for you. Last question: We always ask uh, our guests yeah. to pay it forward. What is the best piece of advice that you have received from one of your mentors or role models? Um, okay, I got two for you. I've been thinking about break this. it down. Uh, the first one is, um, is, a it's one of those, it's Maya Angelou, uh, who was very much like a, she played a role of perhaps very maternal influence in my life, just teaching me thinking about who I am as a woman in this world. Uh, and it's one of those scenarios, I'm not sure if this happens to you, but like a book opens and, and a page lands and your eyes hit it, you know, that's not an accident. You know, there's a lot of that where like, oh, just, just that page and just my, oh, right. So the one from her that I have is, be certain that you do not die without having done something wonderful for humanity. Brilliant. Right. And listen, sometimes you're like, oh, that's a lot of pressure. Uh, but on the other hand, what a cool message. Absolutely. Right. What a yeah. cool message. Um, and more, more recently, and I, I want to give you this because I think this is your life as well in our colonial, you know what I mean? And sort of grappling with our colonial histories, uh, particularly in the wake of the death of this lady the queen uh right there to me it feels like a bit of a spell has broken for all mm-hmm. of us children children of the wow. colonies as that's, it would be, that's right? powerful yeah uh and some of the thoughts are uh, and some of the stuff that i grapple with some of this brown lady tax untangling has had me really considering all the women who came before me and all the people who came before you know sure. what i mean yeah, yeah. and the, the fact that the migration of my life has been the game-changing kind of impact right 
And I saw this on a sweatshirt being worn by a beautiful young black woman. And it's on her hoodie, she had, I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. Oh. Isn't that, isn't that? Wow. Like, what a thing. To, wow. to the truth of that, to walk around with it on a hoodie, like, just to, just to drink it in. That's, right? that's because, something, man. And, and the fact, like, I hit that for myself, realizing the long line of women and that I'm the first who has the freedom to decide whether this yoke is going to stay or go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm first in all of the lines of the women before, like, holy shit. Uh, right? But, just to, but, but also the fact that this is a collective experience. Wow. You are as well. Right? You are the first, the freest member of your family. Right? So many of us, it is all trickled down to here. And if, right, if in the wake of the reckoning around racism or whatever else it is we're doing in this world, uh, this is our peace, our South Asian, <laughs> right? Uh, our peace is this, uh, right? This is how we're really going to uh, remove this uh, and ideally not pass it on to us. Amen. Right. That is the thing that we are, that I, I mean, I'm not, I don't have any babies of my own in this life and I'm not going to, but really like, I feel like if our job, like it's, it's like our parents had this idea that they were going to pour everything they had into mm -hmm, us. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They moved to this new place and they were going to give us all this amazing opportunity. I feel like our generation as the parents, now the one thing that we are really opening up to is this particular piece is not getting passed down. No. So we have to do the work to parse it out, right? To figure out if only, oh my God, the big dream is that there was one of those men in black. <laughs> little, yeah, I know what you're talking right? about. One of those little we could just we forget, to yeah. get all of this out would be the best. Uh, but in the way we don't have that, so we have, there's manual labor there, right? There, manual, manual emotional labor, labor manual right? emotional labor. And uh, I guess it comes. That's really it. Mm -hmm. and, and I guess it comes. I love this idea. I am my ancestors' wildest oh, dreams. Not so even special. come true. We don't even have to worry about whether those dreams have come true. It's the dream. It's the dream. It's the dream. This is I, this is what they, they imagined. That or hoped maybe someday. Yeah. yeah. Right. That there would be a version that's freer, yeah. that's thriving, that's uh, full of love. You know, that's right? and, uh, and eating still well, healthy, to them, still recognizable you know I mean? to them. We're speaks still, the same still, language. Right? You know, shares the same context. Brilliant man, like you, you, you bring it back to it's to one lot. of Malcolm X's contemporaries, uh, uh, Martin Luther King, who said, uh, "Until everybody's free, no one's free." Mm -hmm. That's exactly the truth, and everything else we're just—it's a convenience that we're choosing. That's it, my right? friend. Easily, hands down. This was my my all time favorite. This was this was my favorite uh, episode of Ideas into Action. I feel like, you know, uh, God bless every, every episode we have done up until this point. I have loved, but I feel like they have been, uh, you know, a, a very nice lead in to this conversation. This is oh, truly a wonderful. turning point for the show, turning point for me in my life. Uh, thank you, thank you for your continued friendship, mentorship. Thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. Yes, um, my God, so much joy. Much appreciated, my friend. We we will do this again. I'm I'm certain of it. Yes. All right. Uh, I look forward to it. Thank you. Absolutely. And truthfully, look, let me tell you this. Publishing a book in May 2020, not the awesomest. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, but you did it. it. Uh, so this was one of the first, I hardly had any interviews. Yeah. I did no book promo, nothing, nothing, <laughs> same, nothing. Same, yeah. Much to my own heartbreak. <laughs> you know what I mean? I still have yet to sit somewhere with a stack of books and fresh Sharpies. Right? That ha I, did, yeah. I did not have not done that yet, which is 
the only reason I wrote the damn book, I'll be honest. You know, uh, s- similar to Leadership Reinvented, I think uh, it's going to be one of these books that takes on a life of its own if it hasn't a already. <laughs> a little slow burn. People will discover it and be like, whoa. In the same way, they'll have the same epiphany that I have. I cannot recommend this book enough. I cannot recommend following you enough. By the way, where can people keep up with your adventures online? Yes, at Joshna Maharaj is everything, all the socials. Uh, um, and joshnamaharaj.com exists. And I think that's pretty, that's the, that's the, take back the tree. Uh, also it's their website is there and the links are all there. There is an audio book, which is a fun trip. If you're, if you swing that way, read by me, uh, I did it. That was an awesome pandemic, uh, you know, activity, me and locked in the studio somewhere. It was perfect. Um, and, uh, and yeah, things are growing with lots of excitement. Amazing. Amazing. Again, thank you so much, my friend, uh, to the action faction. We'll put all of the references, including Joshna's uh, social links in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for keeping this podcast uh, alive and thriving. And, and please keep those comments coming and recommendations for future guests coming. Uh, love you all. Joshna, love you too, my friend. Thank you yes, so much you for thank being you. here. And we'll be in Thanks touch very soon. Everyone. Of course. Take care. Until next time, we're out. 